Pokemon is a worldwide phenomenon that has taken root in today's popular culture. Even people who have never played the games or watched the anime instantly recognize Pikachu and the quest to catch them all. The young and young at heart are captivated by these creatures, constantly discovering new and exciting things about them. In this whimsical world, children come of age at 10 years old and set out on their journeys to encounter these Pokemon, their trainers, and the bonds they share. But how can one be a faithful Catholic and a Pokemon master? Can the wisdom of the church speak to us about venturing out on your own and battling against other trainers? What if, during the creation story in Genesis, God said, let there be Pokemon? And then, after he created humanity, he said to them, See that I have created every Pokemon for you to catch, train, and battle. Today, we enter the Pokemon universe. This is truly universal. Welcome to Truly Universal, the podcast where we discuss all things Catholic in another universe. My name is Rents, and I'll be hosting our second episode ever of Truly Universal. And as the intro done by the wonderful, velvety-voiced Ian did, we are exploring the Pokemon universe. So we have a great panel. Uh, Ian had to go, uh, and we'll explain the reason why it's kind of epic, uh, but we're replaced by uh, uh, my lovely sister. So let's go around and introduce ourselves, our name and our favorite Pokemon to start off the episode. So again, I'm Rents. My favorite Pokemon is Gyarados, for sure, because the rocky, you know, underdog story of the Magikarp being evolved into a Gyarados and, and killing it. So that's kind of my persona that I take on. But I'll go ahead and pass it over to my left. Hello, I am Meg, my favorite Pokemon. And this is very ABG of me. I like Eevee a lot. Just because normal Pokemon are interesting to me because they don't have a set vocation and they can become a lot of things for a lot of different people. Nice. I use the word ABG. Is that another Pokemon acronym <laughs> that that my users are not aware of? Depends what universe you are in. Okay. Anyways. Okay. So yeah, that's my sister. And across from me are the wonderful brothers. So go ahead. My name is Matt. And I have a very basic answer as well for my favorite Pokemon. My favorite Pokemon is Charizard. <laughs> I think everybody's favorite Pokemon is Charizard. But if I had to pick one that was very obscure, that's not common, I would also pick Drifloon. To people who might not be familiar with like newer Pokemon, it's like a ghost balloon. It, it tricks children into thinking that it is a real balloon, and then it carries them away. <laughs> that is that very... Is so terrifying! <laughs> oh, man. That's crazy. Dang, now I I feel like I got to pick a Pokemon that's, like, super cool. But I guess right now the only Pokemon that's really coming to mind is also basic. It's Pikachu, but not the Pikachu you're thinking of. It's the Pikachu with the wrestling costume that you'll find in um, uh, Pokemon Tournament. Because that one can do, like, all these cool wrestling moves, too. And plus, it's... It, just like those little Pikachu that's going around, like wrestling down in Gengar or anything. That that's pretty cool. I think they call that the Luche Luche Pikachu. Pika Libre. Oh, 
Oh, that's so epic. I thought you were going to say that your favorite Pikachu is not the normal one. It is Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) (laughs) That one's a really good Pikachu, too. I mean, come on. You got this like velvety voice and addicted to caffeine. I think it's Ryan Reynolds' voice is more so like kind of like sweaty thighs. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't think it's that velvet. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we all have our favorite Pokemon. But the question here is for the, the first one we have up um, to follow up that is what is the Pokemon that you first picked in the video game series? So again, we have our favorite Pokemon. But what is the first one? Uh, and maybe explain a reason why. So a little background for people who don't, haven't played the games. Normally, when you start the Pokemon main series games, you get to pick between three different starters. Normally, it's a grass-type Pokemon, a fire-type Pokemon, and a water-type Pokemon. And for the very first one, red, blue, and yellow, or red and blue, you pick either between Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle. I Usually, I would like Charmander. But then if you play like red and blue, you get bopped during like the first couple of gyms because fighting fire against rock Pokemon like Onyx is very frustrating. And the second gym, you're against Misty with water and, you know, water beats fire. So it gets super frustrating with the game. It's like you start off in hard mode. I think I usually chose Squirtle to make my life easier. So that tells me a lot about your personality. Okay, let's go next with Matt. So I, when I actually played the games, I started with Charmander. So that's why I like Charizard is my favorite Pokemon. But as I played the games longer, I realized that Charizard is not really my play style. Charizard's like a, I mow down weaker Pokemon because I'm strong. But I actually like the Bulbasaur line more because I just like crippling a Butterchimp Pokemon by poisoning them. So pair that with the Drifloon and... We have plenty to psychoanalyze with me. <laughs> I'm uh, going to be weary around you next time in your house by myself. <laughs> but let's go ahead and uh, go ahead, Meg, with the Pokemon that you started with. Um, you know, I really resonate with Squirtle as being a squirrel. I don't know. I just always like Squirtle. Um, I, sometimes I did Charmander because I wanted to be fiery, but I don't think that's really my personality. I think I'm very free flowy water. Pokemon type? Uh, for me, I was always Charmander. I just wanted to pick the best one, and I just thought it was the best one. You know, regardless of what Mark thinks about it being tough on Onyx, I, yeah, I, uh, I you just uh, bulked it up with like steroids or something. That's what I did. <laughs> Milky Cabrera status. So let's go to the next question. If Nurse Joy gets Chansey and Officer Jenny gets Growlithe, what kind of Pokemon would priests have? Oh man, that's a tough one. I know. At least just from remembering from the first two generations, I think Slow King would be good because it's like really smart and has the giant shelter thing clamp onto its head. So it looks like a bishop's hat or like a Byzantine, like bishop's whatever you call it, because it's all shiny and stuff. Plus, it gets to like talk and it's like very intelligent, too. You know, the wonderful thing about the Pokemon is that especially with like water and fire it's very much symbolisms of holy spirit but i was talking to mark about this earlier i think that a priest would have a water pokemon so that they can go and baptize people wherever they are i'm gonna pick a pokemon that maybe not everybody has heard of because it's actually one of the recent ones i actually know this pokemon exists only because my brother got me into watching pokemon sun and moon on netflix 
So just picture a couple of men in their 20s watching a show intended for children. There's like an episode where there's a Pokemon called an Orangaroo. It's called the Sage Pokemon and it's like this ape, but it has like this headdress on its head and like it listens to people's problems and likes to like make them feel like less stressed out and stuff and the one in the episode that we watched was sort of like a bartender and he would like listen to your problems and give you advice on how to like he also gave you really good drinks yeah wait how did he give you advice do pokemon speak english now he he just knows (laughs) he gives you a look and he's like you're right i should go like talk to my friend that we argued and he he just knows (laughs) i i've had lots of priest experiences like that where they just yeah their their presence already knew what i need to do like the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. Um, or just guilt, because you're a terrible person. The sass. The sass coming up. We, we bring you on for one episode, and the sass is just coming out, little sister. All right, my my pick would be Celebi. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly... Celebit? That is wow. one of them. Yes, though it's not related. But Celebi is... The also, I think a Pokemon of time travel, of time. Yes, of time travel. And I think the the priest in its, uh, you know, when they consecrate the Eucharist, they transcend time. And so, oh. so I feel like, wow. you know, not that the priest needs a Pokemon, but I feel like to have a Pokemon that transcends time the same way the priest does would be really helpful um, in that way. So yeah, good ones. I didn't know a lot of the newer Pokemons. So, all right, next next question. Oh, I just wanted to say one thing that Celebi is also in the GS ball. And people think that stands for gold and silver, but it stands for God saved. Really? Okay, then I, I chose the perfect Pokemon. I... Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. It's really just gold and silver. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, uh, that, our viewers would have been amazed at that. Okay. Now let's start getting viewers? to the, the listeners. Let's let's start getting into um, the more theological aspect of truly universal. Let's let's dive deeper, kind of like what we did in the last episode. So. Is making Pokemon battle each other ethical and moral? And why or why not? I feel like that definitely depends on the circumstance. Because forcing Pokemon to fight against each other, that's definitely ethically wrong. But if it's in the case of self-defense, I consider the moral permissibility that Thomas Aquinas talks about in Summa Theologica, which states basically that it's morally permissible to act out of self-defense to harm another only if the initial intention is not such yeah we actually talked about that a lot the last episode i think mark brought up the principle of of double effect right double effect where you're trying to elicit a good intention and a good action even though that there's a recognition that certain bad things will happen and you're trying to, as best as possible, avoid having that bad thing happen while going for that good that would come out of it. Got it. So we can kind of delve into uh, Pokemon being like a self-defense aspect of it. Uh, Matt, what else are your thoughts on, on this? Well, the games sort of try to portray Pokemon battling as sort of like a spectator sport. So like in a way, it's sort of like the difference between how like uh, me punching someone out in the street is different from someone doing it in boxing. Obviously, those are completely different contexts. Pokemon battles can happen outside in universe, like a trainer battle or like the league or stuff like that. So like it all sort of depends on the intent and what the Pokemon are being used for. And it also can go into like whether they're the Pokemon are being used for organized crime or using just battling because like this is just like a sporty thing to do. I, I like your point because 
we oftentimes we find it permissible to watch a boxing, watch a bunch of grown men hit each other in the face until one's knocked out. But we have laws against cockfighting, which is kind of because the cocks don't get to choose. They don't make that choice to be in this battle. Whereas these grown men we're watching, they do make that choice because they have money at stake. So maybe they don't really make a choice because money is controlling them. Um, That's a whole nother episode we need to explore. <laughs> Definitely. And there's also just the whole part about respecting God's creation. You have the story of the book of Genesis where God entrusts Adam and Eve to care for the Garden Eden and all of creation, not just to dominate it, but then if you look at the text, to watch over and to guard and to protect, that becomes key in humanity's mission to not just exploit the animals and plants and everything that God created, but to be able to be a good steward to them for God. So I think, yeah, it brings up a lot of points. I think we're all hitting kind of different parts of it, but it comes down to, okay, do the Pokemon have consent? I think it's interesting. In the earlier Pokemons, you capture a Pokemon, and then you have to gain its trust, and they fight for you, and then you force them to fight each other. You know, we're obviously, it's kind of leaning what Mark's saying. It's unethical, and Meg talked about rooster fighting. But it's interesting, in the newer Pokemon, it talks about capturing Pokemon, and then you can do, like, beauty pageants with them. You can do, like, other types of, of things with them, and then it becomes more of, like, that spectator sport that Matt says. So it sounds like... Uh, maybe we should talk about is, is just capturing Pokemon ethical in that in it says before we start talking about using it because it looks like it depends on the case because one could be organized crime but what what is you know is it ethical to even capture Pokemon in the Pokemon universe from what I remember of the Pokemon I watched back in the day they had to like pretty much beat the Pokemon submission before they caught it so yes there was that consent like you like were waiting dramatically until the Pokemon ball or the Pokeball like calm down so that it shows that the Pokemon has submitted and is going to be in your team, or apparently. But then it was kind of like beaded into submission in that point. So so looking at it ethically in that way, like, yes, there's a consent, but, but what had to happen to make that consent happen? Or if you look at Pokemon Go, where instead of battling, you're just throwing Pokeballs at them. Sometimes you would be throwing... 10 or 20 of them to try to catch them and then it becomes an issue of how much you want the pokemon instead instead of beating them submission it's how many pokeballs can you throw at them before they finally give up it's like okay fine i'll just get captured by you just imagine being a point of creation and having someone just throw a bunch of balls at you until you do what they want <laughs> like I think the best portrayal actually just came from the recently released Pokemon Detective Pikachu. I mean, I don't consider this a spoiler because it happens literally in like the first minute and it's not really plot related. But like uh, they talk about a point where in that sort of universe, the Pokemon has to choose its trainer and they don't like battle it into submission. They just literally go find a Pokemon like, hey, do you want to do you want to come with me? Or like they try to like verbally convince the Pokemon like it like life will be better with like me around or like this could be like a mutual relationship where we help each other. So maybe to me, that is probably the most ideal out of what the games usually portray. See, I like that a lot better. But isn't I haven't watched the movie, but in Detective Pikachu, there isn't as much of a language barrier. Is that so? Between Tim sure. Goodman, the main character, and Detective Pikachu, there obviously isn't a barrier since they're speaking the same language. Yeah, if I remember correctly, only Tim can hear Pikachu yes, speak. Yes, just, right? just so. so how do they like convince them and speak to them? Then? 
that kind of like Pokemon Whisperer. You go up to a horse and like try to like break a bit. Is that is that kind of well, how it goes? Pikachu and Tim are understanding each other perfectly because they're understanding the same language. For Psyduck and I think it's Lucy. Lucy, yeah, Psyduck and Lucy. They they just have like this deep friendship between them, and they just are able to feel each other out and understand each other's emotions. And also the Pokemon that my example comes from in the movie actually it's like a pokemon that's not detective pikachu so it's like just talking generally got you okay so let's uh let's talk about another ethical question a more question i feel like there's a theme going on in all our universes I, I i added this one but do pokemons have a soul i think last week you said do zombies have a soul do pokemon have a soul and what type of soul we, we can use the same things that uh, ian talked about last week about you know animal vegetative human souls but now we're getting to a kind of a place where in detective pikachu there's a little bit more reason behind these pokemon so let's go around the horn and talk about does pokemon have a soul if we're gonna go literalist speaking or talk about when it goes back to the bible um god created them in his image god created them man and woman so if we were in a universe where there was pokemon and he said man woman and pokemon then maybe that would make a difference otherwise i feel because even with like animals sometimes there's an extent to which that they can communicate and be humanized and, you know, animals that, like, wear dresses and can sit at the table with us. I'm sure Ian was saying that they have more, um, what's the word? Temporal spirits? Souls? Well, soul in a different sense. More like they they have the, the breath of life within them, but they don't reflect that image and likeness that you were saying that they're created in God. So there's a uniqueness to humanity that is different from all of them. And if we're trying to draw parallels, Pokemon would be the same with animals. Although then we get into some really crazy territory where we're dealing with some Pokemon that are even much more just like cognitively intelligent, like Mewtwo. Like, how do you deal with it then when the Pokemon is probably has an IQ off the charts than a normal human being? Yeah, there are a lot of Pokemon that canonically have a greater IQ than human beings. So I'm not sure where that falls. Oh, so that could then go into this idea of, well, maybe they're just a different race of being. Like, they're on our level, but they're a different race. I mean, when you look back in history, there's often times where, where there's different races that were considered a different species because we couldn't understand them, because we felt like they were lesser. But then there's those couple Pokemon that make us think, well, maybe there's something more because they're smarter than us or more capable in ways. And you realize, whoa, then what makes us different? What makes us the games actually have state explicitly that humans and Pokemon share a common ancestor, so that actually might be something. Are we are we going to is, is Pokemon lore part of this episode, or are we going to expand it in another another episode? There's a couple of Pokemon uh, experts that wanted to join, so I think we're going to hold off Pokemon lore and the origins of a of a Pokemon for another day. But we could still deal with this question: What is Mister Mime? <laughs> What is Mr. Mime? I think he's a he's male by virtue of Mr. And he's a mime by virtue of his trade that went out like in the 80s and is no longer popular. Does that mean that Mr. Mime... How does Mr. Mime continue if there are only Misters? Is it a seahorse? Is it like a seahorse? Like, does that then mean that some Pokemon are... Like, it's like... 
Pluto and um, Goofy. Like <laughs> Pluto like, and are, Goofy are like some Pokemon because they're more human. Like <laughs> I just like to think that he's he's uh, he's like the Annabelle doll, <laughs> but like a mime, <laughs> just a living doll. So would you could you then say that some of these Pokemon are are possessed versions? No, I think okay. I, I I feel it. We we definitely need another episode with the lore. I think we're gonna bring in some experts. We're gonna go deeper into that. But but going back to the original question, uh, let, let's go back. Uh, we talked about um, you know the ethics and the soul of a Pokemon. Uh, so let's let's shift gears. I think we all agree that it's it's based on the lore. We'll have to go deeper and see where they came from. But let's go ahead and go back to the, the trainers. So. This is always something that's been catching my eye about Pokemon, and, and I never really understood as a child. You know, is it ethical to say that at the age of, was it 10, that you are now of age, I'm going to give you this weaponized animal that you uh, enjoy of an elemental <laughs> of being and go out into the world and be the very best and go out and, f- like, randomly fight strangers and forge for food and, and uh, go from town to town on your own. Like, what, what is... Is that okay? Like, what do, we, what do we talk about the ethics of that going on? I feel like it's extremely dependent on the, the lifespan, the mortality rate, maybe, of the humans what? in this world. I was just because, about to say the same thing. Because also, when you think about it, it's like... Technically, in the Catholic Church, you can get married by 14, 16. So what then would make you an adult? Like 10 years old, kind of, if you compared it, would be considered an adult. Because, like, what if his mom was, like, 20, 16? I don't know. Like, Considering the age of many Pokemon trainers, that could be a very true possibility. Like, if you look at the designs of many of the adults in Pokemon, they look really young. So maybe... And it's not just because they're Asian. <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with Pokemon trainers from all over the world. You have many diverse cultures even. So there's people, but they all seem to look really young and like very active. Even like the old trainers, you're dealing with like Blaine. There's, he's like doing cartwheels and flips and like battling trainers on the top of a volcano even. And how do you expect to do that when you're like, what, 60, 70 something? I don't know. Professor Oak looks pretty old. He's got gray hair, but he is actually kind of handsome. And, and I know looking. some 16 year olds with gray hair. It's a, it's a thing. It's a not disease or illness. But okay. It's a genetic thing. Okay. So so age of consent, obviously. Okay. Let's say that 10 year old, is, it's an age of consent. So is that the key? Like it's okay because for them, that's like the equivalent of I turn 21, I can drink. I turn 10, I get a weaponized animal to go around the world. And because uh, they're pretty, pretty of age. It really depends then on the, the culture because living in that you kind of have a society that's built on raising you until you're 10 and then sending you off. And then you have the support of like the entire society of Pokemon centers everywhere and the encouragement of other trainers and that kind of community there that would allow for that to happen. Like how far is everything really? <laughs> Couple <how>? feet. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and then how, how long is the lifetime really? Because if you look at like how many years Pokemon was airing and Ash never really aged <laughs> he's still 10 after what 20 seasons now so that's all in one year <laughs> it feel like it can <laughs> even if every episode was like an hour or like real time like 20 minutes i feel like it still exceeds a year true 
True. So, but uh, I think we're uh, analyzing the puzzle. So it sounds like, I kind of, kind of what I'm getting from it is, if we approach Pokemon with our, you know, Western culture mindset, then yeah, there's gonna be some weirdness to it about sending a child out. But I like what uh, someone said earlier is like, if the whole Pokemon universe is designed and trained, I think about like. I don't know if it's, it's 300 or an actual like tribe in Africa where when they come of age, they send them out to fight like a tiger or something like that. I don't know if I'm actually mixing uh, fiction How are you 300. mixing fiction with someone's real life right it now? It sounds some sort of... sounds like a the ethics of that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. It sounds like a weird combination of Roots and 300 right now. <laughs> that's I think that's what it is, actually. My apologies. Someone fact-checked me on that. So, okay. another, another universe. Got Spoiler it. alert. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Uh, sending child out on a Pokemon journey ethical? We say yes. It's okay. Depending on the culture. Depending on the culture. Um, it's so, like if, if the culture wasn't built around it, I think they would surely die. <laughs> yes, you are correct. You are Well, you may be correct. So, all right. Next question. Is cloning Pokemon ethical? Ooh, actually, let's... Uh, yeah, because I think one of my favorite movies, actually the only Pokemon movie I saw, was the first one that came out. And there was some cloning. I think Mewtwo is a possible clone of Mew. Uh, so let's talk about the ethics of that. Let's let's go back down into uh, the Catholicism. Well, what does the Catholic Church say about cloning Pokemon? Well, here's the background from the Pokemon perspective. A group of scientists are trying to find the world's strongest Pokemon, Mew, but they only find strands of DNA from it. So they go in, they take that DNA sample and try to clone a Mew. But in their quest for trying to get the Pokemon, they decide not to only just get that Pokemon and revive it, but to genetically modify it to make an even stronger Pokemon than that. Sure, you have Team Rocket lurking in the background, kind of pulling the strings there. And then you create this hyper-intelligent creature that has amazing psychic abilities, goes on into a rampage, distrusts humans, and destroys the laboratory, and then... That's how the movie starts. So you run the risk even right then and there of creating something through genetic modification that is distrusting of humans because of what they did to it. So yeah, no, we definitely then need to talk about kind of ethics of of science. And I think Meg mentioned in vitro fertilization. And there's a lot of things that we do as humans that we can are capable of scientifically. Like we can substitute Pokemon for almost anything that is applicable now. Can we genetically modify you know, our, our plants, can we recreate, you know, life? And I think Meg is, uh, she didn't really introduce it, but she's studying her master's in theology and ethics. Um, so I think a great addition to, to the thing, but go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. About the ethics of, of that. Uh, it definitely goes into dignity of God's creation. Cause if you look at anything being genetically modified for the sake of who, for, for our consumerism taste, for, for our curiosity, it, it's going against, the natural order of things like why aren't there any other muse like why do we feel like we need to clone it like why don't we look back and see like the natural order what in this environment when this ecosystem did not let it live and then we are to create this being and not respect it the same way we would if it came out naturally to respect to see it as like a scientific experiment that goes for anyone or anything like you go on also to just back to the story of like the Tower of Babel story of creation where people are trying to be, be God, take that role of like dominance over everything and fulfilling their own destiny. But just like the story of creation, that's where you let the devil in and you let 
the your own pride and arrogance come in and take you to your downfall because the recognition of of being human is to realize that there is a God and you're not God and you're not going to be able to no matter how much of your scientific abilities if you don't have that recognition that there are limits to it you it leads to your own downfall yeah and, and to follow up on that I think that's the whole you know essence of original sin is that we claim to be God we came to be God in our understanding what we can do and, and it's tough because I know one couple in particular they they couldn't conceive you know for different means uh, it was just really difficult for the man you know to be fertile so they went and got an in vitro fertilization and, and the son is amazing like he's really cool guy you know really upstanding good musician faithful guy we have good conversations and you meet him it's like man you know, it, it's good. Like, he's a great guy. But I think about the root of it is, yeah, um, you know, we took into control, you know, creation in our hands. And even though we talk about St. Thomas Aquinas, to do the ends justify the means. And the idea of, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's really kind of hard. So we, we talk about these things, but at the core of it, um, you know, it is that we have to be humble and say, yeah, these are things that are outside of control. These are things that we don't fully understand. And we have to look at the the, the consequence of our actions. And yeah, maybe cloning is a cool thing. Maybe it, it will bring about, you know, the healing of, of different diseases or, you know, bring life to, to families that can't. But at the heart of it, you know, is that good for our soul, you know, to take on God's idea? I think something Ian talked about in the previous episode on zombies is really applicable to what Renz was just talking about. Is just like, you can't do something evil to produce a good. And that's sort of how we look at, like, even if there are good things that could come from the scientific endeavor of cloning, it's still an action that is evil. And just because I have to point it out, even those who come out of the cloning or in vitro, like they are still capable of being loved. God's love and mercy is quite abundant. And so we cannot disregard that matter either. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. Okay. That's a good, really good topic. I think this is something that might come up a lot. I'm, I'm seeing themes in every episode. It's like, what has a soul? You know, what are the ethics of this? Where, where's man's place in it? Um, and I think there's a couple other questions, but we're going to save them for our next episode. I really, I know, I'm getting a feel that we should explore Pokemon a bit more. Uh, maybe next episode, maybe a couple episodes. So if you have any questions, uh, we have a comment box now. It doesn't exist at this moment, I'm saying it, but it's, but we will have one. So definitely leave a comment on like, hey, touch on this idea or, or, you know, leave questions about, can you cover this on your next one? Cause I feel like two episodes, it's not a fluke. We're going to come back, going to do some more questions on this, but so quick shout out uh, to give us feedback, but going back to truly universal last question for us all right now in the table, it's me and Meg, you know, my sister versus the Purdy brothers in front of us who wins in a Pokemon battle uh, right now. Let's have a Pokemon battle. Let's go uh, discuss my the first Pokemon that we send out and who wins that one? All right. Is it a double battle? Like it we're is all battling at the same time. Yeah, two Wait, on two. I know zero. About all right, Pokemon. I'll hurry up. Hurry up. Uh, make it. Make Begos first because she's the the a girl a uh, lady. Uh, no, uh, I pull out a holographic Charizard. A holographic. You pulled out a holographic Charizard. The term is shiny now. I think. Uh, go go, Matt. What's your Pokemon? I send out Drifloon, and my brother sends out. Venusaur, <laughs> and we do toxic, and then the Drifloon lifts the whatever you sent out <laughs> into the air. I just imagine them doing a choreo to Toxic by Britney Spears. That's all I can get. That's also what's mind. happening. Uh, While you get poisoned, 
I that I, girl is fun. I was gonna send out a Gyarados, but now it it's confused and uh fires at makes Charmander at what we just saw. I got a Charizard. Oh, Charizard. It's a holographic Charizard. <laughs> Oh my. I think we lost that battle, Meg. We, we. Uh, well, you set us up for failure. There's a, he has, he has a Pokemon trainer hat. He does. I am wearing a childish Gambino hoodie. This is not. Never mentioned that. I don't think we did. No, we did. But I'm wearing a uh, hat of Ash from like the first season of this anime. Nice. And then I am just wearing a normal hoodie. I am, I am okay. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for tuning in for Truly Universal. I'm Rents. I'm Meg. <laughs> and I'm Mark and I'm Matt <laughs> see you next time on Truly Universal dun, dun. Truly Universal is a production of Urban Picks All Things to All visit our website at www.urbanpicks.com forward slash truly universal where you can find our show notes and social media links the theme song is by demi guevara with audio production by ethan co and chris Cabillas. please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts